Dana Davenport and welcome to Finding Common Ground, a show on Naperville Community Television focused on important current events and how they impact our diverse population. We are many voices of one community, often with strong opinions on every side of an issue. And I'm Rebecca Malaki-Meslin. The holidays are right around the corner and they come on the heels of the election, schools reopening, and COVID-19 positivity rates on the rise. Both in-person and virtual gatherings have the potential for stressful encounters and conversations. On this episode, our guests will discuss the best way to navigate the holidays while maintaining your mental health. How can we find common ground in our own homes when discussing the state of our community and our nation? Is it better to simply step away in an act of self-preservation or confront our worries and stand strong in our beliefs? Here, through courageous conversations, in the interest of discovering collaborative solutions, we hope to help you find your common ground. We'd like to welcome a few guests to this segment. Carly Johnson, founder Stories Speak Education. Dalara Saeed from the Illinois Muslim Civic Coalition. Reverend Mark Winters, pastor at First Congregational United Church of Christ of Naperville. Welcome everyone, thanks so much for being with us today. How are you doing? Hello. Good, good to be with well, you. It's gonna be expected. <laughs> The holidays can be a time of joy and togetherness, but spending time with family can also be stressful over divisive interactions and conversations about politics, religion, and race. Going into this holiday season, how can people best prepare for these sometimes contentious conversations? I think it's very simple. Today's moment requires us to be respectful of each other, and it requires us to be honest with each other. So if we lead with those two ways of looking at every interaction, a chance to build bridges through respect and honesty with family, friends, neighbors, I think that's the way to take a look at how we can engage. Yeah, I, I, think, it's, I think it's hard. Um, you know, we all know our family members and um, I think in every family, there's gonna be differences of opinion on one subject or another. Um, something that, that I've talked a lot about um, here with the community at First Congregational Church is that the purpose of dialogue, I like to say the purpose of dialogue is not agreement, it's understanding. And there, is, there are ways of talking with one another to, to understand where each other is coming from. And I think that's something that um, all of us can really benefit from because what I've seen happen is folks get kind of dug in on a particular issue um, and really, you know, their mouth opens and their ears close and we need to do the opposite. <laughs> we need to open our ears um, and listen for understanding. We may not always agree with each other on something, but that's okay. Um, it's, it's, it can help lower the temperature and the anxiety and the frustration if we can try to build understanding um, you know, on specific issues in particular, I think is, you know, is really important. And it's also important, I'd like to add, to also be honest and upfront and understanding and listening to yourself as well. For me, uh, setting boundaries is a huge part of the holidays, with everything else going on on top of it, and, oh, just on a, normal, on a normal year. So really listening to what you need is just as important to what your family needs as well. What kind of boundaries, Carly, are you, are you talking about when you talk about setting boundaries and their importance during the holidays? So for me, especially with COVID right now, our physical safety 
is one of the biggest, most important boundaries right now. And myself as a mother with a two and a half year old son, physical boundaries as a consent educator is so important for me. Not only just during the holidays, but every time we come home to see family members, I'm very, um, very sure that my son, whether he is, you know, he's only two years old, he might not understand, but also myself as maybe I'm not as big of a hugger or I'm somebody who has experienced um, trauma and abuse as somebody who has PTSD. I'm very, very, um, how do I say? I'm very aware maybe. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, um, I, I'm trying to also put it in like a very nice way too, of in the sense of being aware of your own boundaries and others as well. <clears throat> so picking up on things like, oh, I can tell my little cousin doesn't want to be hugged. I'm going to step back. But also now with social distancing and masks, there's such a whole other level on top of boundaries that we really have to kind of um, dig in here this year. I think one of the things that a lot of folks are concerned about, if they are going to see some family members in person, it already feels like a little bit of a risk, but these boundaries around mask wearing and um, how can we kind of kickstart some of those conversations with our family ahead of time so it doesn't feel like it's sprung on us when we're walking in the door and we realize we're wearing masks, other people aren't, um, and we're, again, trying to set some, some boundaries ahead of time. How do we start those conversations? my sister and and i are planning a family event and she you know we just started with okay let's just stop for a minute and not start the planning let's start with what do we feel comfortable with um what what do you normally do you know we haven't seen each other sometimes for a while so we don't even know what's typical in our lives right now right so what what does my mother and father what do they feel comfortable with what do we feel comfortable with so having those conversations about like how are you working through COVID-19 how are you dealing with it what is a typical way of engaging look for you like I really want to know and both Mark and Carly spoke about listening and hearing each other and I talked to talked about honesty and respect. So starting at that space by saying hey guys we may plan something but before we start the planning phase why don't we talk about what we feel comfortable with uh, what does mask wearing mean to you? Um, how do you engage with, with uh, social distance? Um, what do you do when there's kids in the room, adults in the room? Uh, do you touch? Do you hug? Do you, you know, what do you do with the food? All of that. Uh, important conversations to have before you start saying, okay, so everyone's coming to my place for dinner, right? Like we normally do. Um, you know, that's a secondary conversation now. I think that's great advice to, to start that before you start talking about the planning. And, you know, frankly, Thanksgiving is what, you know, as of taping, it's it's less than two weeks away. So those conversations should have already happened in terms of are you limiting your encounters with people for 14 days prior to a gathering of one sort or another. Um, the other things that, that, that we've uh, really worked on a lot here is um, to focus as much as we can on what we can do and what we can do safely. Um, rather than on uh, on all the restrictions and, and the stuff that we can't do, because that's depressing. <laughs> um, but if we think about how can we still gather uh, using video conferencing, for instance, Zoom, FaceTime, whatever options you have. Um, I know it's been a learning curve for folks that aren't big into technology, but um, the fact that we have the technological tools now in 2020, moving into 2021, that only a couple of decades ago, we wouldn't have had any of this, and it would have been much harder 
to maintain, as I like to call social closeness in midst of physical distance. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's something really to help our family members and friends see what we do have available to us in terms of technological tools to, to be together virtually as opposed to having to risk the, the dangers of physical um, closeness. Um, you know, and the, it's it's hard when people disagree on those things too. That's that's the hard part in terms of how um, how the risk is mitigated. But if you start with a positive, uh, you know, here's how we're doing this holiday meal is we're gonna you know do it over Zoom and we're gonna have this thing scheduled rather than getting into the argument when somebody crosses your threshold about whether or not they're wearing a mask or getting too physically close, things like that. Do you think that that transfers um, from the personal? also to the religious where a lot of people um, see the holidays as a time to connect uh, in, in religious spaces, synagogues, churches, uh, other places of worship. Do you think that, that uh, the social distancing, um, the virtual meetings, is that a way for people to also connect and, and feel connected in the religious space? Absolutely, um, and I've talked with a couple of my uh, Jewish friends because they had their high holidays a little earlier in the year, um, and they did at, at least Congregation Shalom here in Naperville did everything virtually, and I think that's one way for faith communities to really lead um, and show uh, the, the members of their communities and their congregations how things can still be done safely um, using the technological tools we have available to us. Um, and, you know, I, I've seen, you know, in other parts of the country, I've seen some, some religious communities take some risks, and there have been some really dangerous numbers come out of some of those events. Right. Uh, so I think that's a real opportunity for faith communities to say, you know what, we care about you and your, your health, and we want to make sure that we find ways of connecting that are uh, still allow us to, to connect with one another and see each other. It's not the same. We very much miss being together. Um, one of the hardest things about this season from a Christian standpoint is obviously the Christmas season coming up, and one of the most sacred parts of Christmas is the music. Um, and and what we're able to produce musically is vastly different in, in COVID than, than it is in when we're not in pandemic, and that's obviously a source of sadness. Um, but again, trying to focus on the, the positive things that we can do um, is, is really important, I think. You know, I was speaking with uh, Imam Rizwan Ali of the Islamic Center of Naperville, and uh, he shared how God is with us wherever we are. Mm -hmm. Our Creator loves us however we are able to reach out to Him, and He will be there for us. And so those are the kinds of messages that we can share with our communities. Um, and remember, uh, remember April and Easter. Remember May and Ramadan. Mm -hmm. 30 days of fasting and not being able to congregate uh, each single day as we break our fast in the evening. Um, remember the high holy days, right? Uh, this last weekend we had Diwali, the Hindu holiday of Festival of Lights. And then we're moving into now, obviously, Thanksgiving and Christmas. So though it seems like something new, we've actually been doing this for a while. Mm -hmm. And there are best practices. There are things we've learned. And there are ways we found community and fellowship and faith uh, and spirituality. And, and I think we have to remind ourselves of that and keep reaching for the ways that worked this last six months and what will work the next two to three months. It feels like there's a lot of folks, um, and I'm thinking a lot of our elderly community, um, people with uh, you know, immunocompromised situations where 
they physically cannot be with us, so we're trying to reach out to them and connect with them. Um, and whether that's in our family or our community, um, you know, what are the ways in which we can find those <coughs> members of our community and make sure that they are connecting um, and that they're they're finding these, you know, the, the ability to to get on an iPad, to Zoom, to FaceTime, um, because I think I, you know, I think we're all worried that um, that lack of physical interaction for those who are already at risk of being lonely, sad, depressed, right, are anxious, um, especially during the holidays, is um, really troublesome. And um, right, we we need to take a proactive approach. So. What, what are the ways in which um, we can reach out to other community members, maybe beyond our families, that are at risk right now? I would recommend people just pick up the phone, <laughs> you know, and it's a lot of us who live in a smartphone world sometimes forget that that device can also make phone calls because right. <laughs> um, we're so used to texting and email or social media or whatever other way of, of uh, interacting with each other. But um, but I, I, you know, we, we established here fairly early on a, sort of an old-fashioned phone tree where we were kind of checking in with folks and, and periodically um, sending cards, actually tactile mail that somebody can touch and see. I've seen some really creative things. There was um, a, a grandparent that I talked to earlier in the year who's, I think they had a three or four-year-old grandchild, and they basically, they put their arms out on paper and traced around them, and then mailed that to grandma as a hug that she could, you know, keep whenever she wanted to. So it was physically distant. It, it's a little bit tragic, because you can't hug your actual grandchild, but it was so sweet and so creative um, and so meaningful to that grandparent to have that, that tactile uh, way of, of connecting. Um, we had a, I had a family tragedy in my own family this summer um, because of some of the things you're discussing, and it's it, it is absolutely very real. It's one of the reasons why I think sometimes the language we use is also helpful to talk about physical distance rather than social distance, because uh, mm -hmm. I think maintaining um, social closeness is really really critical. Um, having porch meetings even in the winter as it gets cold, you know, the old saying, uh, "There's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing." You know, adding a few extra layers, building a fire out in the backyard if you can, um, trying to find ways of of, of interacting safely is, is going to be critical to getting through these short days of our winter here. A lot of times the conversations uh, during the holidays between family can be very stressful, right? You have in-law conflicts, you have sibling conflicts and, and other rivalries. Do you think some of the typical conversations of conflict will be replaced by some of the things that have been happening in our country, um, politics, race, social unrest. I really do. Like when I'm talking to people, you know what they're starting with? How are you? Mm -hmm. How are you doing? Are you okay right now? How many times have we used the phrase self-care yeah. and, and boundaries mm -hmm. in, in conversations where we never used to say that before? Mm -hmm. It was always like, what are you doing? What do you need to do? What do you get done? Can you do this for me? Right? Like those were the conversations we used to have. And I, I really do think people are realizing that mental health wellness, self-care uh, is, is important to me and to you, and I have to ask you about it and you have to ask me about it. 
Um, there's some conversations I think we're choosing not to have. I mean, there's some conversations about politics with family members and friends right. that I'm choosing not to have because they're not going to help us uh, come closer or bridge a build, uh, build a bridge. And so I, I'm going to focus on some of the positive ways. If I can't see you, if I'm not going to spend hours with you and I just have a few minutes on a Zoom call or a phone call or a text, I'm going to try to make it as positive as possible. And I think we can continue to strive for that. Uh, everything doesn't need to be hashed out. Our relationships are more important than making sure our opinion is heard on every single thing. And I think, again, leading with respect um, and leading with, uh, with, with building a bridge uh, instead of burning bridges uh, for every interaction, you have a choice. Which one will it be? And absolutely, to go off of that too, going back to setting boundaries and respecting yourself. And as someone as myself who is very, very political, very outspoken, my profession is an advocate and an activist. So for me, however, when I'm getting in these political arguments, whether they be on Facebook or a phone call or in person at a holiday event, for me, it is so important to stand up for my morals, for my values, because being political isn't just, oh, there's an election. Oh, who just won the presidency? Who did you vote for? It's also our day-to-day, -day, um, our, our everyday living. And so for me, it's really important. And these are boundaries that took me years to set. And really this past year with so much going on and really understanding where I stood in my views and my opinions. And, and also, I'm not gonna take disrespect. There, anybody here have a family member who just likes to get aroused out of you? Yeah. Or they know that you're, um, you know, your view on this or, or something on that, and so they like to kind of poke at you, and, and I'm not going to take that anymore. So I'm looking forward to spending the holidays within those relationships. And, of course, you don't have to agree on everything. Like you just said, yeah, we can have absolutely healthy relationships and disagree. But at the same time, when you are being disrespected or if you are somebody who struggles with mental health, um, illness and you're you're really thinking about oh my depression this year um, unfortunately I've gone through some traumas this year and and not only am I not um, I've decided my family and I've decided we are not getting together for Thanksgiving with our family um, and instead we're going to kind of focus on our immediate family hmm. and really with my husband and my son and our dog of course um, but really kind of taking a step back and saying what is best for me and my needs and how am I going to go about doing that? Because there, there are so many issues out there and events and things that, that unfortunately have caused a lot of pain for people in yeah. those conversations. Yeah, I, I, I agree with both of those points, even though they're in a little bit of tension, because I, I think that's really important. There are a lot of people that are very wounded out there. Um, and, um, and there is a power imbalance in the world in terms of who has um, more social, political, economic power, um, there are, privilege is a real thing. Um, and if you have the ability to just say like, that's it, I don't, you know, I'm not gonna talk about this, that's exercising a little bit of privilege in that there are folks who, you know, for whom these policies, these politics deeply impact their lives. Right. Um, whether or not somebody can legally discriminate against you at work, whether or not your citizenship is brought into question, whether or not you are paid equally to somebody of a different uh, gender than you, um, whether or not you can use a public bathroom without being terrified that somebody's going to say something that's really unpleasant to you or worse. 
Um, there are some people out there that are very, very wounded. And I think trying to be gentle with ourselves first um, is, is, is super, super important. Um, knowing your, your ability to, um, to be true to yourself and what situations you put yourself into, um, that's really critical. Um, at, at the same time, I'm going to bring back something I said earlier about trying to work for understanding. And this is something that, you know, everybody talks about social media as a very divisive force, and I think that it, it, it can be. Um, but oftentimes what I see there is that people aren't looking for understanding. They're looking for just digs at each other, and here's why I'm right and you're wrong. Um, think about the issue of, say, defunding the police, which in my humble opinion, is not a really helpful name for it. Um, but I have, uh, you know, I have friends who are police officers. I, you know, I've, I've met Chief Marshall. I think he's doing a great job. Um, at the same time, I have a lot of friends that are that are very supportive of the defund the police movement. Um, and I have seen arguments happen where people just don't even listen to each other. But if you look into that issue in particular, some police officers that I know are saying some of the same things that the defund the police folks are saying. Is it fair, is it right to expect a police officer to be able to handle all social work situations, all chemical dependency situations, all mental health situations? Or might this be a situation where we wanna divert some of the resources we're giving to our police and put in some folks who are experts in those issues who can more uh, capably handle some of those complex situations and maybe actually prevent needing to send a police officer out? Um, so it's thinking more creatively about issues rather than asking police officers to solve every social problem there is, which is really not fair to our police officers. Um, so again, people may disagree with me on that, but if you start to ask questions about help me understand where you're coming from on this, rather than, well, you just hate police officers, <laughs> Um, that's, that's a much more productive conversation, even if you end up and still end up in different places and you don't necessarily agree with each other, at least you'll have a better understanding uh, of where folks are coming from. I think a lot of conversations I've been having lately, um, even when we're leading with how are you doing, um, oftentimes um, quickly become sad because we are expressing our emotions and we're sharing our real feelings, um, I would say in a way that we haven't been doing in the past. Um, but also those conversations can be divisive if uh, the election comes up or we're talking about um, issues in our family. Um, what I've been trying to do more recently is make sure that every conversation I enter into ends in a positive way, right? Try to find a way to think of something funny that happened recently. Try to leave somebody with um, a pleasant thought so that um, as a reminder that there's good in this world and that we do have humanity. Um, so with, uh, with that in mind, we want to ask you all, um, what can we do to show ourselves a little more grace um, and spread a little more love during this holiday season? That's a great question. One thing I'm gonna add, and um, the other two might think, oh, okay, this is a little different. Um, but for myself also, I've been allowing myself to sit in that sadness. I've been allowing myself to feel a little depressed or feel a little overwhelmed instead of constant positivity saying, okay, Carly, you know, oh, you're so blessed. You have this wonderful family or you're, you're so happy in your career and this and this and this. But at the same time, we're all experiencing trauma right now. We really are. And so I, when I think about self-care, I also think of just allowing myself to be. But I like what you said is how do we end it on a positive note or what that spin is? And for me, it's my, it's my people. So the, the holidays right now, 
it's always about family. Family is number one and family is perfect and family is great. We see that a lot in movies and TV shows and media and, and songs, but really think about outside of your family, your friends, your coworkers, your, who, for me, sometimes it's just, you know, I, I just, unfortunately I experienced a miscarriage and I was sitting there and, and it's something that, you know, some people might find shameful, but I went on my Facebook and I posted about it and I said I was depressed and I said, this is the support I need right now. And I cannot tell you the amount of people, um, similar for earlier this year when I came out as bisexual. So back to kind of your, um, excuse me, your comment, Mark, where I really appreciated you saying that, where sometimes during the holidays, some people are scared to go home. They, they have that fear because there are stereotypes around uh, certain demographics. And so for me, going back to that question of how do we spread positivity within ourselves? And for me, it's being around the people that uplift me, that support me, that I can be my honest, raw self with. And, and that's who I want to spend my holidays with, too. How many of you have ever been to a Friendsgiving? Or have you ever mm -hmm. heard of a Friendsgiving? Right, those are super popular now. And it's because we wanna be around the people who we love and care and lift us up. And, and that's how I'm gonna spend my holidays. Mark? If I would say two things, um, gratefulness, whatever you can sort of cultivate in terms of gratefulness that can really help cultivate happiness within you and laughter. Humor is one of the best anti-anxiety drugs yes. there is, mm -hmm. uh, and it's available to everybody. As long as we're not laughing at people, <laughs> it's good, solid laughter, watching some funny holiday movies, uh, great medicine. Thank you. Delaria? I appreciate the gratefulness. I think the sense of gratitude, uh, you know, living with that. Um, and then also realizing that uh, there are people uh, you know, it's not about necessarily just our emotions or our pol political ideas, but there are people who the holidays is not an option because of financial duress mm -hmm. and financial stress. We are at a time when people are worried about their jobs if they have them, um, have lost jobs or on furlough, uh, are worried about where the next set of, uh, you know, rent payments are coming from or mortgage mm -hmm. payments are coming from, how tuitions will get paid, all of that. And so I, uh, you know, I, I start, I think we covered many different types of challenges. We didn't cover financial, and I think that's a real thing right now. So if we are in a position to give charity, uh, that is a moment of gratitude and is an opportunity to give. Uh, it's called sadaka, sadaka, charity, whatever you want to, make sure you do that. If you need it, make sure you reach out. This is not a moment to be you know, too proud to ask for help. Our community centers, our mosques, our churches, our temples are here for that. Our friends are here for that. This is a moment where you're giving someone else an opportunity to be of service to you because you deserve it. Uh, and so I, I think gratitude for both the opportunity to serve others and then the opportunity to allow others to serve us. Thank you. It's the holidays on Finding Common Ground. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Wearing my mask is just part of my routine now, just like wearing my seatbelt. Wearing a mask should be just as routine as brushing your teeth. Wearing a mask for me has become as routine as that first cup of coffee in the morning. As routine as checking my email. I grab my mask every morning just like I grab my car keys. Wearing a mask has been just as routine as putting on your shoes in the morning. Wearing a mask has become as routine as going on a daily walk. 
just as routine as having dinner. Wearing a mask is just as routine as having story time with my kids. So make it part of your routine. Please mask up, Naperville. In Naperville, we know that community counts. In fact, it's in our name. As Naperville Community Television, we have the privilege of showcasing what makes this award-winning city a wonderful place to raise a family, to make a living, and to enjoy life's journey. That's why it's our mission to capture on camera those special moments that connect us, those stories that impact our lives, stories you won't see anywhere else. So watch Naperville Community Television on air, online, and on social media. back to Finding Common Ground, where we are talking about the holidays. Joining us now are Joshua Bedwell, a family law attorney and partner at Mirabella, Kincaid, Frederick, and Mirabella, Venu Gupta, Midwest Director of Development at Mother Jones, and Lisa Pisha, a licensed marriage and family therapist and founder of Grow Therapy Boutique. Thank you all so much for joining us. The holidays can be a balance between tradition and celebrating the new normal or diversity where you have uh, decisions to make whether you're gonna spend Thanksgiving or the holidays with family or the group that you've been socially distanced with. Um, sometimes you have family members who have different dietary restrictions. Um, there's so many different things and ways in which we are diverse or divided. How do you encourage people to embrace diversity or the new normal during these, this holiday season? This is such a great question and something that is gonna come up, I think time and time again this year as we're battling big changes in the, in the world and just, just kind of all around us. Um, what I have been thinking about for myself and with my clients as well is that maybe this is the year where we can kind of think about good enough. Like maybe we don't look at Pinterest this year to make the perfect craft and the perfect meal. Maybe we stay away from things like that. And maybe we just decide, okay, um, instead of working on boundaries, which is what I normally talk to clients about around the holidays, Maybe this year I'm gonna work a little bit more on kind of explaining where I'm coming from emotionally, right? So it's sort of like, it's it's kind of not your typical holiday, right? Where you're going in and you have to be really firm. Um, I think most of us are trying to figure out what, what it is we're doing and what to do. And um, so my advice to people right now is let them just be honest be as transparent as you possibly can about your own personal struggles the way that things are going for you just to um add to what lisa's saying which i think is really insightful you know i think that when we are honest both with ourselves and the other people that we love it's much harder to use the categories that we put people in um 
as a way of judging or being angry. So if I say to someone that I love around the holidays, whether on Zoom or in a socially distanced way, you know, I really am having a hard time quarantining. It's, it means that my kids don't get outside. It means that I don't get outside. My own, my own mental health is suffering. All of a sudden you sort of let your defenses down and it allows that other person to let their defenses down too. And you, you can sort of stand with each other in kind of your own suffering, which is a very common human experience. I think that uh, something that Lisa said really hit home for me, and that's the honesty part, right? Um, I think we get so caught up in our own lives and what's happening inside our own isolated household um, that we forget that everybody else is dealing with this too. And um, like Penny said, if, you know, if you let those that guard down, you see that other people are going through and struggling with the times too. And I think that is a way to bring people together and they can start to relate. So you're listening to what other people are saying while also being you know, for lack of a better term, vulnerable yourself. And I think it's a way for us to, you know, circle the wagons and, and really relate in a time period where we need to be working together. When we do put ourselves in a, a space of being honest and vulnerable, um, I think there still exists that worry of uh, someone uh, misunderstanding us uh, and whether that's around our opinions, our values, our emotions. How do we tackle those difficult conversations. So let's say, for instance, we're sharing with someone about our, you know, our feelings on uh, quarantining and mask wearing, and there's a, that, a conversation essentially where a conflict arises around that, and we're already in a vulnerable state. How do we de-escalate those conversations in a way where we can preserve our mental wellness um, and also really be conscious of the fact that we want this to be a celebratory time, but knowing that we want to hold true to those values and, um, and, our, and, our, and hold true to our feelings. I just want to jump in here for a second. I think that it's, it's absolutely spot on to say that we want to find ways to de-escalate with people that we love. Um, and if someone is exhibiting racism or homophobia or or misogyny, then that's not your job to de-escalate. Your job is to take care of yourself. And that person has soul work or spirit work to do. And if that's something you wanna be part of, then that's a choice you can make, but you can also make a choice to not be part of that. You know, and it, I think we have to be really um, honest about the fact that for so long, people who are marginalized have had to make people who are not marginalized across a whole wow. range of identities comfortable. Um, the, that's, not, that's not something you need to take on any more than you can take it on. As for the other part about how to have difficult conversations, um, I would love answers for that myself, Lisa. <laughs> I too am wondering how to have those difficult conversations. Um, but what I've tried to do with some success and sometimes not with success uh, is to find a way for me to understand what's happening with my own feelings. Um, 
mindfulness is a term that everyone by now has heard of. So if I'm having a conversation with someone and they don't believe in wearing masks, and I do, I really try to notice how angry I'm getting, how upset, how right I want to be. And that takes the um, pressure off of my interaction with them and puts it on, it just, it takes the pressure off. And I can, I can monitor my own, my own reactions sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I love that, Vainu. I love, I love everything you said about that. Um, mindfulness is a huge, huge tool to be able to use. I also think that we have to keep in mind when we are in a, in a situation where there is, you know, an escalating conversation happening and it's starting to feel like a conflict, there are ways for us, for us to stay in that conversation um, without feeling like we have to just get out of Dodge, you know, right away or that we have to stay in there, right? So what I, I talk about this a lot with couples who have, you know, a lot of conflict going on. And one of the things I say is that it's not your job to convince the person across the table from you to be on your side. And it's not their job either. So instead of spending all of your energy and all of your emotion trying to convince someone of your truth, be mindful, as you said, Venu, and be strong in that and know your truth. Regardless of what the person is saying to you across the table, doesn't need to change who you are or what you think or make it any less important or right. And I think we get caught up a little bit in, in the fight and in the argument, as opposed to just knowing that your emotion tells your story internally just as much as it does you know, externally too. I think, um, and so I would advise people to really be conscious of knowing that just because someone says something doesn't make it true and it doesn't make it true for you, right? So it's really important to kind of know where you stand um, and, and don't defend, you don't need to defend yourself. I think a lot of people over the holidays may discover that the situation that they're in whether it be a parallel marriage or relationship, just isn't working. In other words, they're mindful that they don't wanna be in this pandemic with this person ever again. What advice do you have for people, whether it be mental health um, or even in the family law space, um, in terms of when they realize that, that the situation that they're in isn't healthy, isn't working, uh, what advice do you have for them to take steps to self-preserve um, and even perhaps separate or distance from the situation that they're in? I think that that question hits home for me because as a, a divorce lawyer, I see this and I'm seeing an increase in the number of divorces that are being filed and the number of relationships that are breaking up. Um, a lot of it, I believe, is tied to the pandemic. And I think it's more a situation where you know, you have these relationships where the dynamic of people's eco and social systems are changing. And so that's causing, you know, uh, uh, the foundations of those relationships to break apart. Here's the most important thing, mindfulness. Um, as Lisa and you said, that, that, that's incredible, both in a, a, a conflict 
of an argument that you're raising with that you could be involved in with your family and internally when you're trying to make a decision about whether to end a relationship and whether it's time to get out. I think from my perspective that from the legal arena, it becomes a situation where you need to understand what your choice is. Are you going to try to make it work? Are you going to try to exit the relationship? And I think at that point when you make the decision, you know, either leaving the relationship or trying to make it work, then you're going to seek the advice of professionals. And I can't stress enough finding the right professionals. There are lots of lawyers, lots of therapists, and when it comes to breaking down a relationship in a divorce setting, you're going to be going through a lot of personal and private matters, and that lawyer and that therapist or whoever the professional is is going to be along that journey with you, and you want to make sure that it's a good fit. And I think that is a really important aspect to consider when you're going through the breakdown of a relationship. So interview the lawyers, interview the therapist, find a good fit, and then finally after you make that choice, listen to the professionals. I mean, they're professionals for a reason. Follow their advice. I think that's the most important advice that I can give to people who are, you know, facing the breakdown of a relationship. Yeah, I think that's really great, Josh. The only other thing I would add to that is that when it comes to self-preservation, you know, think about what that means to you, right? Does that mean that you have to share the details of this divorce, you know, with your family at Thanksgiving or around Christmas or, you know, at a New Year's party? Like, what is going to make you feel, you know, like you are at your best self walking away from a situation? So I encourage people to think about, like, how do I want to walk away from this? And then work backwards. What is that going to look like for me? What do I want to avoid saying? What are my triggers going into a situation, right? If I know I'm going to be around, you know, Aunt Rose, and Aunt Rose is always asking, you know, certain really personal questions, well, maybe I start steering conversation before it even starts, right? So just be super mindful of triggers. Self-preservation also, to me, means find the support where you need it and don't feel like you have to tell your story to everyone. I think one of the other things that this brings up is the idea of grief. We've talked a lot about grief, um, grieving the loss of in-person learning for our children, grieving um, the loss of our, uh, our normal social gatherings, um, all the way up to grieving the loss of relationships and frankly, people we've lost to COVID this year. And we're not able to even grieve in the same ways that we have in the past. So I think we're all looking uh, around at each other and looking to our therapists um, and, and friends to figure out a way to uh, be able to sit with that grief and, and, and experience it uh, in a different sort of way. Sometimes for people who have never experienced grief, right? I mean, if you've experienced grief, I don't think there's, uh, I don't think it ever duplicates itself in the same way, right? Uh, depending on your losses. But if this is the first time you're truly grieving as a person, what, what types of advice, what types of things would you tell people about grieving at a time when uh, we're, we're distanced from others and we're not able to do it in the ways that we have in the past? Grief, to me, is the hardest, um, deepest, sort of painful emotion there is. And I think we go to great lengths to avoid grief 
because it is such a hard hitting emotion and it kind of just takes our breath away and can put it, it just can stop us in our tracks, whatever it is we're doing. Um, when you're in grief, every little bit counts. Every little conversation you have with another human being, right? Every eye contact you make matters. It's something that kind of can give back to you. So I would say that, you know, if you are experiencing grief over what's going on, and you very likely are, because I don't know anyone who isn't, mm -hmm. you know, in some at some level, experiencing some kind of loss, um, try as best as you can to at least make some kind of human connection daily, whether that's in a support group, um, whether that's commenting on someone's social media post even, you know, basic ways that you reach out and can extend yourself um, just to have some human connection and contact reciprocated, they go such a long way. You cannot underestimate what human contact really can do for you. And that's something that's really hard right now. We're having to be really creative about how we're getting human contact, but it's still there. We can still do it. Um, you know, maybe we're talking on the phone a little bit more and we're texting less. Maybe Zoom doesn't work, but maybe phone calls do, or even if you're tired of Zooming all day with work, maybe you're still gonna Zoom your mom or whomever at the end of the night. You know, I think it all, it all counts. Anytime you can have human connection, I feel like it counts. So one of my spiritual heroes is Thich Nhat Hanh. He's a Vietnamese monk. Um, and he has a very famous saying that says, no mud, no lotus, oh. which the idea behind that is that beautiful things can come from really hard things. Um, without mud, you don't have something beautiful like the lotus. And our work and our goal is to acknowledge that there is mud and to not pretend as if there isn't. So what Lisa said is absolutely true. And I, I think the first step in that is acknowledging that I'm having a hard time or I'm uncomfortable with this level of change. Um, as somebody who has anxiety, I, I really dislike uncertainty. I, I am a huge social um, justice advocate and activist, and yet I don't love the way that we get there. It makes me feel incredibly uncertain. Um, and then with COVID on top of that also makes me feel uncertain. And so, right, we, it is okay to be having a hard time. And, and once we can say that, then I think it's the first step in being able to say, okay, I'm grieving about the, the many losses that I'm facing. Yeah. And what do I do now? I like what you said about the Lotus and I, I wanna talk about your Lotus. What things are you all thankful for? I think we've had so many bad things that have happened to the world in 2020. Uh, but we, that takes our focus off of some of the positives. So what are some of the positives that, that you are thankful for as we are celebrating this, this holiday season and frankly, the end of 2020? 
I think number one, probably out of everybody's mouth, the, the health that, that, that you're faced with individually and with your family. Um, I've been very lucky that my immediate family um, has, has been healthy and has continued healthy, both uh, mentally and physically. And I'm very thankful for that because I know there are days where it feels like I'm ready for another day. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think that's number one on my list is to be very thankful for the health that I have and the health of my family and the health of my loved ones, people that are close to me. Um, health is, is definitely number one on my list. Uh, the ability to still be able to connect with other people is something I'm immensely grateful for. Um, you know, Zoom, any kind of social media platform at this point that is actually like interactive, I can really, I can really be thankful for that. Um, thankful for phone calls, thankful for small moments. Like I made it to my son's school in 22 minutes today. And I was totally thankful for that. Right, because we were running 10 minutes late, of course. Um, I'm thankful that we didn't hit any red lights. I'm thankful that Starbucks is open. I'm so grateful for coffee. So many things. I am grateful for uh, the ability to find the different kinds of love that I need when I need it. Um, I'm also grateful that I can give that love when other folks need it too. I'm really grateful to be able to snuggle with my daughter as much as she wants. And I quote a billion years is <laughs> sort of her preference for snuggling. Uh, there was a point where I had to say, get off me enough. But you know, before that, it was really good. <laughs> and um, I am really grateful that we live close to my parents. Mm because I think if we didn't, we wouldn't be able to see them and being connected to them during this time is just, the value of that for me is really hard to express. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think there's, uh, it, it's easy to um, fall into that kind of pit of despair this time of year. Um, given all that we've seen this year, all that 2020 has brought us, um, and without wanting to be, um, I know there's, a, there's some movements towards, you know, you don't want to sugarcoat or make things too positive all the time because then it feels like you're not sitting with the reality that we're all living with. But I do think that finding all of the small moments you all just talked about um, and trying to find little bits of gratitude that they do add up. Um, they provide us with a sense of comfort. Um, and I know this conversation and, and our first segment as well um, provide me with a lot of comfort to see others who are in these spaces and um, you know sharing their own experiences as well as their professional advice with us and with everyone who's watching the whole purpose of the show is for us to find common ground uh, with our with our guests but we're hoping to spread that out into the community so that others in their own homes can find their own find, finding you know their own common ground with their family and with their friends um, so for that, I'm grateful. How can we spread love to ourselves and others this holiday season? I know a great chocolate shop that's still <laughs> open during the pandemic. <laughs> and I mean, it's really good. Yes. So if anybody out there would like to know about it, I'll give Dana the info. Yeah, chocolate and snuggles. <laughs> yeah, more chocolate. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I think um, 
I would add to the, yes, chocolate, yes, 100%. And also I would add, again, like circling back to small moments, eye contact, empathy, um, just like interest, you know, being interested and curious mm -hmm. about the person you're sitting next to because we've been given this gift of time. Mm. You know, if we're here and we're talking about this or you're sitting next to someone, you've been given that gift of time and use it, use it to get to know somebody, use it to be able to explore yourself a little bit more. Um, like I've been saying, you know, small, small moments go a long way when it comes to love and self-love and, you know, sharing kindness with the world. Um, it's in order to feel that, in order to give love, you have to feel love and that has to come from yourself too. So making sure that you, you know, acknowledge what you're feeling as Mimi had said earlier and don't be afraid to share that with people. You know, is when you're vulnerable, it gives people an invitation for them to open up to you. Mm -hmm. And everybody needs that honesty right now. Everyone needs to be um, just validated in their experience no matter what experience they're having. There's no, um, there's no reason to do this thing called comparison suffering where you go inward into yourself and you tell yourself that, well, I don't have it as bad as so-and-so, or, you know, I didn't experience this, so therefore, why do I need support? Or, you know, we're really good at pulling up the bootstraps, right? And just like getting it done we are not awesome at empathizing with ourselves and having self-compassion. And we have to be right now. In order for us to be strong for others, we need to be strong for ourselves too. Um, it doesn't do the world any good to deny yourself of that because in turn, you're just going to be denying the world of that too. So I would say self-love is incredibly important and to start truly start there. I, I agree, Lisa, I think that's really important. I, I would add to that that, you know, I, on the gratitude theme, I think we've covered that and said it, but I think it's so important um, to, to, to be grateful for those things that we have. Uh, the health is a big one, right? And, you know, on that same note, when you're sitting next to somebody, it's okay, lose yourself in the moment, right? You have the moment, listen to what they're saying, really get lost in it and enjoy it. And 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 I think that's important to, to to, to do and allow yourself to do. I, I think the gratitude thing is really important to me. I think if you see something or you hear something that you think is really great about somebody else, tell them, tell them that it's great, tell them why. And that includes yourself. It's okay to tell yourself that too. Thank you to all of our guests for joining us for this very important episode, talking about the holidays as we close out the year. Mindfulness, gratitude, transparency, respect, boundaries, flexibility is so important. This is gonna be a different holiday season than it has been likely in years past, but that's okay. Be grateful and focus on the positive things that are going on in your life and all of the good that is still out there. We're looking forward to a new year. We're looking forward to so many more positive things ahead. Find your lotus. Thank you so much for tuning in uh, to Finding Common Ground. Happy Holidays.